The thing that I find so interesting about the cost of discipleship is the fact that it's an invitation. It's an invitation to go on this journey with Jesus. And I don't know about you guys, but like, I really like these invitations to go on a journey. To, to be presented with an opportunity that I normally wouldn't have been presented with. Uh, Lara and I, we really enjoy going to like the dream homes, a lottery dream homes. And, and, and in particular, we really like going to like the Stollery one and also the Mighty Million Dollar one. Because when we go there, we actually feel like, hey, we can actually buy a ticket. Because, you know, at the end of the day, regardless of what happens, whether we win or we don't, we never win. Uh, but the money's going to something that we actually care about, right? And and so we like going in there. And, and one of the cool things about some of the prizes is the fact that you might get the opportunity to go on this adventure, to go on this trip. And it's a trip that's, like, very extravagant, you know? Like, it's going to cost so much money and all this kind of stuff. And you're going to be able to do all these amazing and fun things. And and for Lara and I, whether we're, we're thinking about this house or we're thinking about this thing, we're like, man... This would be incredible. And, and like for us, our mind starts like thinking of like, man, can you imagine this and doing this and this and this? And so for us, that's part of the fun of just like thinking through and being able to talk and be like, what do you like about the house? What do you, what do you like about this trip? And, and for us, as we think about that, it's really like, it's just a lot of fun. Um, and that's part of the reason why we like going to these dream homes. And while we're in this series of Mark looking at walking with Jesus, and, and we've been discussing how Jesus is actually giving us an invitation. An invitation to go on a journey with Him. It's an invitation which has the potential to completely change everything about our life. Jesus wants to walk with us through our life. And I think that's kind of a daunting thing to think about, that he's going to walk with us through our life, through every interaction. And it it can kind of weigh on us sometimes of like, man, if I know that Jesus is with me in every single interaction, well, that's going to change the way that I interact with people. That's going to change the way that I do things, especially when maybe bad things happen. But I think it's also an exciting opportunity that we, we get the opportunity in every situation and in every moment to interact with Jesus and other people. With Jesus by our side, we, we got to do life with him. And, that, and that's what Jesus wants. He wants to walk with us through this life. And in the same stroke, he wants us to follow him and to listen to his guiding voice. And I know in my life this has taken form in, in many different ways and, and much, much the same I'm sure is true for you. That it has taken many different forms for you as well. For me, he has challenged me to speak to people that normally I, I, I wouldn't really have the draw or, or, or the desire to speak to off the bat at least. Because half the time I just want to do my own thing. I just want to get my coffee and move on and and not really interact with anyone. I just want to do my own thing. This is me time. I catch myself saying that probably too much. You see, Jesus' invitation is one, for me, it, it challenges me daily. And it challenges me to the very core and yet leads me on a most unexpected and yet amazing journey. And it's one which reminds me of this invitation here. Cute video. 
Can I help you? That remains to be seen. I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure. An adventure? Now, I don't imagine anyone west of Bree would have much interest in adventures. Nasty, disturbing, uncomfortable things. Make you late for dinner. <laughs> Good morning. To think that I. <laughs> I love Bilbo's response in that video. It, it's honestly such a response that we have. We're like, an adventure, Jesus. Ooh, I don't know about anyone in Edmonton that would like an adventure. Maybe try Calgary. Have you tried Calgary? I think they're pretty adventurous down there. Uh, they like to do their own thing. They're kind of running to their own beat of the drum. And, and so just go try there. I think very often that is what Jesus does. He comes to us and, and he presents us with an opportunity each and every single day. He's like, hey... I have something for you. Are you willing to do this life with me today? You see, we see the opportunity to do something out of the ordinary. And, and, and honestly, we more than often would rather not. We would rather have our day be our own day. Our week be our own week. You see, Bilbo throughout The Hobbit, is, he, he's a creature of habit and comfort. And he struggles against that throughout the whole journey. He pushes himself to be something greater than what he thinks he could be. And it's what Gandalf sees in him. And I think this also describes our relationship with Jesus. Very often we think that our adventure, our journey, isn't going to be this great, amazing thing. It's not going to be anything like what we read in the Bible. It's just going to be something else. And Jesus sees us, and, and, and much like Gandalf, he sees something in us. He believes that there is something more to us than just sitting on the sidelines. He wants to go on this amazing journey. And that's the challenge for us. We love reading and, and, and seeing these amazing miracles that take place in the Bible. And even when people share their amazing stories and, and all this amazing stuff that takes place in their life, and we see it, we're like, yeah, that's awesome for you. I, I don't know about for me. But Jesus does invite us on an adventure, like Gandalf does with Bilbo. And I think very often, like Bilbo, we would try to end the conversation as abruptly as he does by saying good morning and trying to walk away from him. Well, in our passage today, we're going to be picking up where Pastor Adam left off in Mark. And, and he, he left off and, and we left off looking at Peter, you know, the rock. Peter, the rock. One more. Not that rock. I kind of ruined my joke a little bit, but that's okay. Uh, but actually more so, this rock. See, I had fun stuff planned. We're going on fun, a journey today. Uh, but the, the rock, the foundation stone in which we are, that Jesus was going to build his church upon. Man, Kale, you're killing me today. It's okay. I didn't give him good notes for it. Uh, but Jesus actually, he talked to Peter. He said, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. We're going to do something amazing with you. 
When, when Peter, as we read a couple of weeks ago, when Peter was, was talking to Jesus and Jesus said, hey, who does everyone say I am? And they're kind of going through it. And then he says, who do you say I am? And Peter's the one who gets it right. He's the one that looks at Jesus and, and he has the right answer. He says, Jesus, you are the Christ, which means Messiah. And then right into our portion here today where that we're going to explore and we're going to read in a minute here, we see Peter completely changed from being the person who has the right answer to actually Jesus calling him Satan and telling him to get back behind him. How does someone who is supposed to be building the church, leading the church, go from getting the right answer, calling Jesus the Messiah, to getting put and told that he is Satan and to get back in line, to actually start following him and, and not taking charge. This is the journey that we're going to go on, and I think we'll find ourselves in Peter very often, and I think we'll find ourselves in the midst of this story as well. But before we get into that, will you just pray? Will you join me in praying for this message? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this morning. God, I thank you for the amazing opportunity that we have to walk with you in this life, to do life with you, to see that you are with us. God, I I pray for each and every single one of us as as we hear what you have to say to us, God, that we would actually hear from you, not from me. That my words would, would fade to the background, but, but God, that your words, what you are trying to speak to us, Lord God, that we would be receptive to hear it. God, I pray that we would be good soil receiving what you are saying to us. I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, let's read our passage together. It's found in Mark 8, chapters uh, 31, sorry, chapter 8, 31 to 38. If you want to turn there into Mark 8, you can go ahead. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen. But I think actually we'll go back a couple of verses to verses to starting in verse 29. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on things of man." And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. As I said, we see Peter go from being the disciple with the right answer to being called Satan. Within a matter of a sentence... What sparked such an extreme change? What is going on in the mind of Peter as this is taking place? What, what is really happening? Well, I think the change is this. 
Peter, much like Israel as a nation, doesn't understand what the Messiah is truly here for. They believe that the Messiah will come down to save Israel from the current situation, much the same as the past. And whenever God intervened in the Old Testament, he would send a prophet or a king who would lead them out of trouble or out of this desperate situation or even would fight their war for them. And so when Peter is looking at Jesus and and he knows that Jesus is the Messiah, he is saying, hey, I know what you're about. You're not about suffering. You're not going to do that because that is not what the Messiah is actually going to come and do. So all of Israel, they're looking back to like Egypt when God caused all the plagues. They're looking back to when Jesus appeared as this like fire tornado in front of them, leading them through the desert. He, they're looking back and trying to say, hey, this is what the Messiah is going to be. He is going to lead us out of this oppression of Rome. And Peter sees Jesus and he hears him. He says, no, no, there's no way you're going to suffer But what Peter is missing is the fact that something that we know, we look at the Bible and we go to Revelations and we read about the exact same kind of Savior that Peter is talking about. You see, Peter doesn't understand that there's going to be actually two times that the Messiah is coming to earth. The first is what Jesus did. He came to suffer and die on behalf of us. But when Jesus returns at the end of time, He will be coming, and He will be rescuing and also battling and conquering. Jesus will be the conquering King at the end of times. But Jesus, what He's saying that He is about is what's actually talked about in Isaiah 53. The passage is not exactly what they were expecting the Messiah to be. In their mind, the Messiah is to be a ruler, not not defeated. But the hope that is written in the passage of Isaiah 53 is what we know about who Jesus is. Let's read it together. Again, it'll be on the screen behind me here. Starts. We're going to read all of it, so it's a bit of a lengthy passage. But I, as I was trying to figure out which part to read, I was like, man, this is just so good. And I think it's one of those passages that we should hear. So I'm going to read it for us. Again, feel free to follow along in your Bible or on the screen behind me. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God. And afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed. For our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, 
and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before it, like a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, and he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear his iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. That passage was written well before Jesus came. And all of Israel knew this passage. They, they have read it or they had heard it. And I think for Peter and the disciples, as Jesus was talking about this passage and saying, guys, this is going to be me. I think they really struggled with it, to be honest. I think, I think it was a war raging in their mind of, man, we're following a man who's going to be defeated. We're following God made flesh that is going to be defeated. And I think for the disciples, they had to make a decision yet again. Jesus had called them already to follow them, to follow him. And they had to make that decision again. Are we going to continue to choose to follow him knowing these things? And I think for some of the disciples, they fully, they didn't fully comprehend what was happening. But as time went on, they definitely did. They definitely started to put the pieces together of what Jesus was really saying to them. You see, Jesus said to them, I have come as a Messiah to suffer and to die. And through that, even for us today, not only was he talking to the disciples, he was talking to us as well. He came to tell us that the best way to walk out our own life, the way that we are to do it is with him. To go on an adventure with him and to do the same. That we are called to follow Christ. To deny ourselves, To pick up the cross and to follow him. This is what Jesus just said in Mark. And this is a tough message to hear. And I think it's, sometimes it's a tough thing that we need to remind ourselves of in the midst of our life, that we are not called to just have all this amazing stuff, to be going through this amazing life, that God didn't promise our life that it was going to be happy and joyful all the time. In fact, Jesus, through this passage, is saying, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to pick up your cross. You're going to have to follow me. That is a tough journey, a tough adventure that we are being called to go on. 
I think as Christians, and, and again, I'm, I'm kind of confessing here myself, I think very often that sometimes we can get caught up in, in what's going on around us. We can get caught up in what the world is doing and, and the way that the world says that we're supposed to live, and, and we forget that denying part. And we're like, yeah, Jesus actually called me to pick up my cross, to bear my cross, and follow after him. That is a tough thing to do. It's a tough thing to do. And, and I don't want to ease that. It is a very tough thing to do to actually follow Jesus. It is a tough command when he, what he says and, and, and the fact that we have to do what he is telling us. The part about denying ourselves, much like in the opening video, we like Bilbo, we're very much so creatures of habit. We like our home and we like our comforts. We like our home to be our resting place. We like our home to be everything that everywhere else is not. We like it to be our safe place. We like it to go home and be able to do our own little things. I I have a board game collection that I really enjoy playing and doing. And it's one of those things that God has been kind of pressing on me of like, do you really need that many board games? Is that really how much you need? I'm like, oh... You're pressing the wrong button, Jesus. That's not the thing I want to work on. And yet God is like, huh, huh, huh? Ah, I've fallen into that category. I have to admit it. And I think even when we get home and and the challenge to actually be self-sacrificial when we get home, man, that's a tough call as well. We like things to be comfortable. We don't like to give up control of our life. And yet, that is exactly what Jesus is inviting us into. Jesus is calling us to pursue Him, to go and walk through this life with Him. The invitation is to go and leave what we have in pursuit of what He has to offer. And yet, Jesus gives us this bold declaration of what living for ourselves brings. He says it brings destruction. It is the pathway to hell. And Jesus gives us an invitation that is counter to that. He says, let go of everything. Let go of your life and hand over the reins of control to me. And it's one which calls us to deny ourselves. Not just once. Not just the one time when we said a prayer that said, God, I I surrender to you. I want you to be Lord of my life. And you should definitely do that. That's the first step in your walk as a Christian. But it's not the only step. Each step, each day needs to be a choice of saying, I'm going to deny myself this day. I'm going to choose you, Jesus, over my way of doing things. I'm going to choose you, Jesus, over my interest over what I feel like this day should be like, over what I want to spend my time on. It is a daily challenge. It is daily denying living for ourselves and choosing daily that today is the day that I'm going to live for Jesus. And then when tomorrow comes, today is the day that I'm going to choose to live for Jesus. And each and every single day after, today is the day that I'm going to choose to live for Jesus. 
Denying ourselves is a refusal to let self-interest guide your life. And with that goes the next part of our challenge, which is to take up our cross and follow him. Bearing one's cross was not a common saying in Jesus' time. He isn't quoting an idiom of the day. In fact, the cross to Israel was a, a sign of a curse. Only cursed men hang on a cross, ones which rightly deserve the punishment. And so when Jesus says, take up your cross, this is, this is unusual. You would not tell a good person to take up their cross. And so taking up your cross, as Jesus says this, carries two meanings. The first is, it is a powerful metaphor for dying to self and joining Jesus on his way to the cross. Living a life of God commitment, self-sacrifice, and possible martyrdom. It is a harsh truth that living for Christ may cost you everything, even your life. And yet the reward for doing so is gaining everything. You see, when Jesus says in, in Mark eight thirty five to 36, he writes, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will... Sorry, whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? This sounds like a tough calling, but I don't want to say anything other than that. It, it is a tough calling. But the truth is, the reward for following Jesus is so worth it. But I don't want to underestimate and undersell the cost component. The cost of discipleship truly is your life. But in that cost, the reward is true life. Jesus came to be the suffering servant so that he could pay the price for our sins. The sins of all humanity and he offers to us the forgiveness of our sins because he did not take, uh, he did take upon himself all sin including yours and mine. And he offers us the choice to choose him or to not. And it's our choice. And it's not a one-time prayer, as I said before, but a daily choice of saying, God, I choose you. I choose to die to my old ways and live in your ways. The picking up your cross and denying yourself is a daily choice. It's one that we make at home. The last thing we want to do sometimes when we get home is to actually do something for our family, to do something for our wife or our husband or our kids. Because for many of us, home is our downtime. It's also the choice that we make on our way to work or on our way to school as we get cut off on the hen day or as we hop on the, the train and, and, and on our way we see someone that is in need. And we have a choice. Are we going to help them or not? The choice is, it, it happens every single day when we are going about our daily life at work and at school it's in the everyday life saying, I will make every possible choice to live for Jesus and for others before myself. It's taking the opportunities that get presented to us to share the good news, to actually tell people about Jesus as we encounter people in our daily life. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's even a stranger. 
Sometimes God lays different people on our hearts as we walk by them, and sometimes the nudging is just to go and talk with them. And maybe in the discussion that we have with them, maybe the opportunity to share your faith comes up. You say, leaving, you see, living for Jesus is an everyday, every minute decision, and it's a costly one. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote in his he wrote it so well in his book of the titled Cost of Discipleship. It'll be on the screen here. It says, Costly grace is the gospel, which must be sought again and again and again. The gift which must be asked for. The door at which a man must knock. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow. And it is a grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life. And it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin and grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it costs God the life of his son. You were, brought, you were bought at a price. And what has cost God can, much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our life, but delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. The amazing grace of God extends to all of us. We get the opportunity each and every single day to make that choice. And I know for myself, there are some days where I'm ashamed to say that I I haven't fully said, God, this is your day. There are some days where I've chosen to make the day my own day and to do my thing rather than what he is calling me to do. That even in the moments of my day when God is prompting me to speak to some people that I have chosen to neglect that responsibility and just go about doing my own thing. And I share that because I believe I'm not the only one with that. And I think for some of us, that decision that we have made in the past weighs heavy on our hearts. We know that God called us to do something one day, and and, and we still think about it. What if I would have done that? What if I would have actually chosen to do what you were calling me to do, God? What would have happened? And sometimes that eats away at us. But I'm here to tell you, God doesn't work in that way. He doesn't lay all this guilt and shame on us. Every time you make a decision that is for yourself, he says, okay, that's wrong, but I forgive you if you ask for forgiveness. And when we do ask for forgiveness, he forgives us, and, and our slate is wiped clean. And the next day, we have another opportunity to choose whether to live for God. And in those moments, we have another opportunity to choose to live for God or not. And so if you're feeling the weight or, or this pressure of, man, I haven't really been living for God lately, know that today can be a fresh start for you, as every single day and every single moment can be. You can choose to start again. You can choose to say, God, today is going to be the day I'm going to live for you. And I encourage you that today would not be the only day that you would choose that, but that every day as you go on from here this week, this month, this year would be a decision that says, God, today I'm going to choose to go on this amazing adventure for you, with you. I know it's going to be costly, God. I know it's going to cost myself to die to myself 
that I'm going to have to actually bear my cross and follow you and say, God, today is your day. But I think, man, that's so worth it. I didn't talk a lot about all the amazing stuff about following Jesus because I didn't want to underestimate the price that we have to pay. The price that we have to pay is going to cost us everything. But the reward is so sweet. The reward is we get to live with our Creator. We get to invite Him into our life. And the fact is that He wants to be a part of our life each day. He wants to walk with us every day. He wants to go through this journey with us. And how amazing would it be that as you go through your day, that you can talk with your Heavenly Father and say, God, what do you think about this? And you could actually hear Him and He would respond to you. And you would be able to actually move forward each day knowing that you are doing what God is calling you to do. How amazing would that be to know that your purpose is being lived out because you are living with the God who gives us purpose. It's an amazing invitation. And so today, maybe, maybe as I said before, maybe it's weighing on you and, and I want to tell you, you can ask God for forgiveness and start fresh today. And I would encourage you to do so. I'm going to pray in a minute. I want to challenge you to pray yourself, to talk with God and to actually invite Him into this day. And maybe you haven't actually even invited him into your life. And I want to challenge you. Maybe today is the day that you invite Jesus into your life. And what an amazing adventure that you will be starting if you do so. And for those of you who have made the decision and are continuing to make the decision every day to choose to live for Jesus, I want to encourage you to say, keep going. Keep doing it. This life is so rewarding. And and honestly... As, as a pastor here at TCC, we are so proud of you and we're so excited to see and to hear what is going on in your life because man alive does God work in all of our lives. Whether you're making the decision for the first time ever or whether you're making the decision after not making a decision check, check. into your life <laughs> each and every day. And I just really want to encourage you, just keep going. God has such amazing things in store for you. This road is tough. But man alive, is it ever worth it. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the way that you are working and and the way that you are speaking to us, God. And I pray, Lord, that as we invite you into our days, as we invite you into our time, Lord God, that we would feel your presence more and more, that we would know that actually you are right beside us always, that you are in us through the Holy Spirit. And God, that that would empower us to choose every day to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross, and to follow after you. God, I, I thank you so much for that. And God, I think even just a small piece, a small way that we can do that this morning is to partake in communion, to to reflect on the sacrifice that you made, the sacrifice that paid for our life, that paid the price so that we could go on a journey with you. I pray that you would encourage everyone here in this room, Lord God, 
that you would give them strength and give them faith, Lord, and that your face would just shine upon them. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.